Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception Podcast. I'm Don Britton and today I want to talk to you about the true gospel versus the signs and wonders gospel that we see a lot of today. The first thing I want to do though, before I get into a lot of discussion on that, is I want to lay a basic foundation about what the true gospel does and how it works. Uh, Jesus said in John 5, 24, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear him will live. So my question is, are you one of the dead? I know I was one of the dead at one time. I was dead in my sins. Are you dead in your sins? Are you dead in your sins while you're claiming to be a Christian? At least I wasn't claiming to be a Christian when I was dead in my sins. Here's the truth though. No matter whether you're claiming to be a Christian or you're not claiming to be a Christian, if you are dead in your sins, if you hear the voice of Jesus, you can still live. You can live. And Paul also wrote in Romans 1.16, he said this, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, that is the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He goes on to say in verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. In other words, he believes what God says and he obeys what God says. And he does what God says. That's what faith is all about. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Now I want you to get this, really get this. The gospel, the message that you can be born again, the message that you can be saved through, through faith and through repentance, this is the power of God. This is the gospel that we can have a chance to start all over, that we can have our past life and our past sins removed as far as the east is from the west, that God gives us a way to be redeemed, to be to be saved from the wrath of God. So the gospel or the message is the power of God for salvation, the message that one can be for, forgiven of sin and be born again. This is the most powerful message in the entire universe. So it's the power of God to raise one from the dead, so to speak, from those who are dead in their sins like I was and like maybe you were if you have been raised, who were dead in our sins to have eternal life. The gospel is the power of God to transform a person into a new creation, to change someone, to change their, their to change who they are, to make them into a completely new person. Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 45, he said, Concerning this message that I'm talking about, the message of the gospel, he, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He's referring to his disciples whom he met with after he had been risen from the dead. 
He said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. So here's the gospel. If you repent of your sins, you can be saved. If you repent of your sins, you can become a child of God. If you repent of your sins, you can start all over. That is the gospel you get a chance to completely erase the past and have a new future. So the message of the gospel is the power of God to convict men of sin. The gospel convicts men of sin. The gospel gives men, uh, makes them aware, first of all, that they need to repent or that their sins are condemning them. And the gospel then has the power to convict men of sin. And when men are convicted of sin, then that will bring them to repentance so they can be forgiven of their sins. That's how it works. You see, this is what happened to me when I was about 32 years of age. I had lived in, I'd lived in fornication and adultery for 18 years. That included pornography. That included being bitter at my parents, bitter about life. I had, I had uh, all kinds of issues. I had psychological issues in the sense that I was very shy and backward and introverted and I I had real low self-esteem and I was trying to compensate through all my my sins to somehow make myself feel more like a man or feel better and I was a person who was very very uh, much in bondage I had no hope I didn't have any relationship with God I had I wasn't a Christian I didn't think I would I didn't even think I could be a Christian I didn't even think there was any hope for a guy like me so I was living in hopelessness and fear. I, I remembered how I used to think, well, the day's coming, I'm going to die and I'm going to go to hell. So I might as well just sin all I can on the way because there's no hope for a guy like me. And so one time on a business trip with a man who knew the Lord, he took the time to tell me about his life and how share his testimony with me and how that he had lived a life similar to my, my lifestyle before in the past and how he had found the Lord. And he explained to me, which I didn't know anything about this at the time, he explained to me about the principle of being born again, how that there's there's a way that a man can come to the Lord and repent of his sins and then be forgiven and start a whole new life and all of his sins of the past would be removed and would be erased away. So that to me was the, that is the gospel. That's the gospel I just mentioned and it has the power for salvation. Well, I took that, what he said, away in my heart. I tucked it down deep in my heart, and I held on to that. That particular day, I wasn't quite ready to give my life to the Lord, but I had received a seed of hope that I'd never had before. And so then a day came not long after that when I was faced with a crisis of my life. My wife was going to leave me for my uh, for my adulteries, and she was fed up with me. And so I decided that it's time now to remember the hope that this man gave me. And so that particular day alone, I called on God. I didn't do it in church. I didn't meet a pastor. I didn't go get baptized. I didn't go sign a three by five card. I didn't pray a sinner's prayer. I called on the Lord with all of my heart to give me a new start. I called to heaven for the living God to save me and to deliver me and to change me and to give me a new life. And you know what? He did. And my life was transformed. Over the years, I've been transformed into a new creation. I have learned the ways of God. I have sought God. I've studied the word. I've become a new creature. 
and God has delivered me from all my past sins. He's made me into a new person. Now you want to talk about miracles and signs and wonders. I'm a miracle. I'm a sign and wonder. What God has done in my life is a sign and a wonder. It's not some little healing, a leg lengthening, or somebody saying they, that God healed them of some kind of a physical or medical thing. I was delivered from my death into life. God raised me from the dead. Now that's the greatest miracle of all. You want to talk about the power of God? That is the power of God. So anyway, my point is that this, this is the miracle that we should be looking for. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel to change a person, to, to change a person into a new creation. In Ezekiel 18.31, the prophet Ezekiel was speaking the voice of the Lord when he said this. He said, cast away from you all your transgressions, which you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. He says, for why will you die, O house of Israel? For today, if he was speaking, he would say the same thing, except he would say, why will you die, O American church? Why will you die, American Christ those who are American Christians? American Christianity, why would you die? So he goes on to say, in verse 32, he says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. The Lord doesn't want anybody to die. He has no pleasure in sending someone to hell or bringing destruction upon them. He says, Therefore, repent and live. Now, there's the gospel in, in four words. Therefore, repent and live. There's the whole gospel. That's the power of God unto salvation. And in Matthew 3, verse 1, now in those days, John the Baptist, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, here it, here it goes again, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God, the gospel of the gospel that has the power and the salvation. And here's what he said. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness saying, make ready the way of the Lord Make his path straight. Now in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus again saying the same thing. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now we have, we have the situation where Jonah, you know, the old prophet Jonah, you remember the story about Jonah and he got swallowed up by the big fish and he got spit out after three days because at first Jonah tried to run away from what God had called him to do, which was to go repent to Nineveh to tell them to repent because God was going to bring destruction upon them if they didn't. What happened was Jonah eventually went and preached to Nineveh and he preached repentance. And about and at that time, there were about 120,000 people living in the city of Nineveh. Now, this is going to show you the power of the gospel. Jonah didn't go over there and perform any signs and wonders. He didn't go over there and perform any miraculous healings or, or do any kind of slain in the spirit stuff or anything like that. Jonah went and preached the gospel, the gospel of repentance for forgiveness of sin. And what happened to 120,000 people, the entire city, even the king, even the judges, everybody, the whole city, even the animals were in sackcloth and ashes, if I remember right. The whole city, which I understand looking up the history, was about 60 miles long. This whole city was a big place. About 120,000 people lived here. And everyone the entire city repented. How about that for power? Now there's the power of God. That's how the power of God works. That is the true power of God. You know, another thing I want to point out to you is that more than 50 times, more than 50 times in the New Testament, 
either Jesus or the apostles or the writers of the New Testament told people to believe in God, to believe in Jesus, and to repent of their sins in order to be saved. They never told anyone to believe in miracles to be saved. And somehow today this gospel has been twisted and, and we're moving away from the power of the gospel, the message, the gospel of Christ, which is the power and the salvation. We've moved away from it in this generation, the last couple of generations really. We've moved away from it into the power of God being uh, some kind of manifestation of some kind of gifts or some kind of spiritual manifestations or supernatural manifestations. What's being called the power of God now is a substitute. It's a counterfeit. It's not, it's not the truth. And there's so many things that are going on now in these last days with false signs and wonders going on and signs and wonders and supernatural events that are taking place. And there are supernatural events and they are taking place, but they're not by the Holy Spirit. So many of them are not by the Holy Spirit. So today there's a false message being spread all over America. And I guess you could say all over the world too. It's being spread by false prophets that the power of God is manifested in signs and wonders. That's the false message. But I'll tell you, that's not the power of God that manifests in signs and wonders per se. That's not, that's not the power of God in signs and wonders. It's not the power of God that saves someone. It's not the power. That's not the power of God that resurrects the dead spiritually from death into life. That's not the power of God that saves a soul and gives him eternal life. That's not the power of God. It is the true power of God that does, but not that, not the signs and wonders. That's not the power of God, quote unquote, that saves a person, delivers him into eternal life. That so-called power of God, that signs and wonders power of God, that's not what transforms a man into a new creation. That so-called power of God, that's not what gives a man, that's not what gives a man a new heart. That so-called power of God, that's not what conforms a man into the image of Jesus Christ. That so-called power of God is not what gives the man a power, a man the power to bear the fruit unto Christ. So there's something wrong with that power of God because it's not working. Because look at the church. Look at even the charismatic church who's full of quote-unquote signs and wonders. The morality is terrible. People are living in the flesh. The, 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 the immorality is in the charismatic movement and the Baptist movement and the normal uh, uh, denominational world. It's all the same. There's no, there's no difference there with the, with the morals. So obviously that's those signs and wonders are not taking anybody towards holiness. There's no greater miracle than someone being born again. There's no greater miracle, but there's no emphasis on that much anymore. Now it's just, uh, just kind of a little token type thing where you just say, ask Jesus in your heart or you pray a sinner's prayer that's not even biblical. And then you're called a Christian. And so then from there on, it's all focused on the outward things. The focus is on all kinds of outward manifestations rather than the inner person and the change of a man's heart. And I want you to think about this. When Jesus walked on the earth, there were countless people who were healed. I mean, countless people. You remember all that came to him were healed? I mean, there was multitudes that came to Jesus. I mean, he went from town to town and people were just flocking to come to, to, to get close to him just so they could be healed. And these people... These multitudes saw many miracles. They saw many things happen. There were all kinds of, of things that Jesus did. But the truth is, out of all those multitudes, there was only a few who were saved. Just a few. Just a very, very few were really saved. And he only revealed the mystery of the kingdom of God to those who came to him and asked, like his own disciples, who asked him questions when they said, 
Teacher, what is the meaning of this parable, or what did you mean by that? And he said, only to you has been granted to, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to everybody else that just get it in parables, lest they return to me and be forgiven, lest they return to me and I save them. Basically, he's saying they're not going to be saved even though they were healed. And so, you know, all they got out of the whole, all these multitudes got out of seeing Jesus or coming along, all they got out of it was a physical healing. Sometimes they got a demon cast out of them. And sometimes there was a whole bunch of people there and they didn't have anything to eat. So on more than one occasion, Jesus multiplied the fishes and the loaves so that everybody could eat. And so that's what they got out of it. They got healings. They got they got deliverance from demonic oppression and they got a nice meal from time to time. And they got to go see the sideshow, so to speak. They got to go see all the things that Jesus was doing. They got to watch, but they didn't get saved. They didn't know Jesus. They never found the Lord. They were just seekers of signs and wonders or of the of the food that they were going to get, the free food. But they were not seekers of God to know him and to have repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. If they had, they would have gotten it. Or it says in Matthew 12, 38 concerning Jesus, said, then some of the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, said to him, I'm reading this now from the Amplified because it kind of explains it a little better. They said, teacher, we want to see a sign and a testing miracle from you proving that you that you are who you claim to be. Now, here's what he said. And see, this is what we have today. We have a whole bunch of people running around wanting to see a sign or wanting to see a miracle, or wanting to see a manifestation, wanting to see some kind of supernatural, spiritual, Holy Spirit gift they think it is manifest. They just want to see something. And, and now we have just multitudes of people that are flocking to these signs and wonders churches, and they're becoming mega churches. And some of these churches are even having classes on teaching people how to do signs and wonders. I mean, is this crazy that you have to take a class on how to do signs and wonders or you have to take a class on how to heal people? Whoever, whoever heard of that? You talk about that. That is, that is as nutty as anything I ever heard of. If you have the gift of healing by the Holy Spirit, you don't need a class. What, who in the Bible took a class? Who in the Bible paid for a course? You know, there, <laughs> This is the craziest thing. There's schools. There's schools for people to learn how to prophesy. Come on. You know, this is as nutty as it can be. You can't get any crazier than this. But anyway, here we are. These Pharisees, they're coming to Jesus. They're wanting him to do some kind of a miracle in their presence so that he can verify who he is. Here's what he said to them, though. And this is so right on. And this is so right on for today. He replied to them and said to them, he said, an evil and adulterous generation that is morally unfaithful to God craves and demands a miraculous sign, but no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was there three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up as witnesses at the judgment against this generation. Can you believe that? And that's it's so true for today. Those in Nineveh that repented when Jonah came and preached repentance for forgiveness of sin, they're going to stand up against this very generation who's seeking after signs and wonders, but this is a generation that's morally unfaithful to God. And he said they will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, but now something greater than Jonah is here, and that's Jesus Christ. You know, what is wrong with us today that we think that it's more important to to have signs and wonders and healings 
Physical healings. All I hear about in, in the charismatic movement is physical healings and physical healings and physical healings. What about a transformed heart? What about somebody that overcame alcoholism? What about somebody that overcame drug addiction or somebody that had a sexual addiction or somebody whose life has been completely transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? Why don't we hear about that? That's the true miracle. That's what really counts. It's not if somebody got their leg lengthened or a headache gone or supposedly healed of some kind of disease or got up out of a wheelchair. So what? What's that got to do with eternity? And see, we are, we, this generation is so possessed with signs and wonders and the prosperity movement. It's really sad. It's really sickening to me. And it should be to you. So what the sign of Jonah was, the sign of Jonah that Jesus talked about, and that's all he, he says, you're not going to get anything else from me. You're looking for signs and wonders. You're not going to get anything from me except the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah was repent for the forgiveness of your sins. It's not about signs and wonders or miraculous healings. That's not the sign of Jonah. In John 21, verse 25, listen to this. This is concerning Jesus and the things that he did. And there also were many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. So you think Jesus performed a few miracles? You think he did a few things? That's a lot, right? We don't know the half of it. We don't know the tenth of what Jesus did. We just have a small record in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and some of what the apostles said. We just have a small record of all the things that Jesus did. And you would think, and there's there's been nobody like Jesus ever come on the earth. There's been nobody ever did the things that he did to the degree that he did them. Nobody. And you would think if signs and wonders and miraculous events and the supernatural would save people that the whole world would have been saved. But you know what? After Jesus performed those countless miracles over a three-year period, including raising people from the dead, and which we don't really have that going on around here today, or CNN would be reporting that, or, or and he became well-known throughout all of Israel. He became well-known as one who was sent from God, as one who performed miraculous signs, as one who could who could remove demons from demon-possessed people, who could cause people who had never seen, to, who were blind from birth to be able to see, who could had never heard anything, could hear. People who had never spoken could, could suddenly not only speak, but they could speak the language. They didn't even have to go learn it. That as soon as they, they opened their mouth, they could speak the whole language. And so, you know... <laughs> He, he, he was doing the super duper miracles. I mean, he wasn't doing the little, little, little so-called half-hearted miracles we hear about today. He was really doing the big stuff and he did a lot of it and he was well known for that. And he was even suspected of being the Messiah by so many people. And after all of that, and he healed possibly thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. I don't know. Could have been a million people. Who knows? It, he was all over the place and he healed everybody who came to him. And we don't have a clue how many came to him. But you know what? After all of that, you think the whole countryside would have been saved. You'd think if it was miracles that were going to save people, you'd think all of Israel would have turned to Jesus. Even the Pharisees would have fell on their face. You would have think that. Even the kings like Herod and all of them, you know, would have fell on their face. But the sad thing is, only a few, only a few really believe his message of repentance. Only really a few got the heart of what he was saying. Really only a few came to him with their whole heart and were saved, just as he said it would be. 
And in the day of Pentecost, when after he had done all he had done for three years, he had walked on the earth, he had put forth his message about repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After all of that, on the day of Pentecost, there was only a few people, you know, what, about 120 or something that even showed up. Out of all these thousands and tens of thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of people that had encountered him, only 120 showed up. Isn't that, isn't that sad? So it, what my point is, if signs and wonders were going to save people or cause people to be saved, if that was the gospel, then it, it failed. <laughs> but that wasn't the gospel. The gospel was repent and be born again and turn from your sins in order to be forgiven of your sins, in order to be a new creation, in order to have a new heart, in order to be able to bear the fruit of God, in order to be conformed in the image of Christ, you must repent. So anyway, so these people then witnessing all these signs and wonders really didn't bring them to repentance, did it? It really didn't, it really didn't change their life, even though they might have gotten healed of something, or maybe the, the, the lame could walk and the blind could see. Yeah, that's true. But in the end, they still didn't have heaven. So what did it matter in the long run? You see what I'm saying? In Luke 16, 27, there's a story about the rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember the rich man who had had lived really well and Lazarus, the poor beggar that was sitting at his gate and the rich man walked by him, by him every day, but he didn't care about him, didn't do anything about him. So now the rich man finds himself, he finds himself in torment. He finds himself uh, in hell, so to speak. And so he's calling across to Abraham as he can see across on the other side. He can see Lazarus in the, in the bosom of Abraham, whatever that is. Lazarus is in a good place and he wasn't. He was in a terrible place. So here's what he said. The rich man, now in torment, said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. In other words, he's talking about the fact that he had he, he was asking to, to have some help, and he said, None is available to you. So now he says, Okay, then send, send Lazarus or send somebody to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that you may he may warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. So, you know, he's asking, hey, look, if you're not going to help me, if there's no help for me, at least send somebody from the dead, send Lazarus back from the dead, let him go talk to my brothers so he can wake them up. But Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. In other words, they have the word of God. They have the message. They have the gospel. Let them believe it. Let them obey the gospel. But he said, <laughs> the rich man in torment said, no, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And here's what he said. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, in other words, if they don't listen to the word of God, if they don't listen to Jesus, they don't listen to the gospel that's already been preached since the beginning of time. If they don't listen to that, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. In other words, the most, the most amazing miracle that could take place would be somebody come from the dead. And if, in other words, the miracle is not going to convince them to repent. If they don't listen to the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, the miracle is not the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of repentance from sin to be saved. If they don't listen to that, he said, he said, then there's no point in sending by somebody from the dead because that miracle won't convince them either. So he said, even if somebody comes back from the dead, people won't listen. <laughs> This certainly would be a, the most miraculous thing in the world that, that you could see if, 
You know, if you knew somebody came back from the dead, I mean, it would be it would be an astounding thing. They came back and talked to you. But Jesus said, if they don't listen to the message that's already been preached, the message that's been available to all mankind, grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. No man has an excuse. Since the beginning of time, the message has always been the same. It is today. Repent of your sins in order to be saved. If that doesn't happen, there's no, there's no, multi, there's no a miracle that's going to persuade people to change. No, there's not. And so that's, that's a part of the deception that's going on today. In John 10, 41, he also said this concerning John the Baptist. And many came to him and were saying, while, many came to Jesus and were saying, while John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man is true. So here, here's about John the Baptist. Jesus referred to John the Baptist as the greatest man born among women. And what he talked about was he was a great prophet. And, and John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. John the Baptist was preaching repentance for forgiveness of sin. John the Baptist had thousands and thousands and thousands of people, multitudes coming to him to be baptized in the River Jordan and to confess their sins and to repent of their sins. And John was really hammering this home. And John did not perform any miracles. He didn't do any signs and wonders. The people were drawn to him because of the gospel. It was because of the power of the gospel that saves. And he was preparing the way for the coming of Christ. And so this is the work that John the Baptist did. Without any signs and wonders, he was able to convince multitudes of people to repent of their sins. And he had the most powerful ministry. Today, there's a great deception concerning signs and wonders. The power of the gospel has been lost. And Satan is the master manipulator, producing false signs and false wonders and claiming them to be of the Holy Spirit. And he's doing this to distract people away from the truth, away from the scriptures, away from the word of God, away from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. He's doing this to, to create a false a false narrative that signs and wonders is where Christ is at. And it's not so. It's not so. In Matthew 24, 11, Jesus said, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. That's what we have today, folks. Many false prophets are rising and misleading many. And in verse 24, it goes on to say, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders See, they're going to show signs and wonders. So I'm not saying there's not going to be supernatural events take place. There's some stuff going on out there. There's some stuff going on. And it's supernatural. It's a spiritual supernatural event that's taking place. But they do it so as to mislead, he says, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. They're doing it to mislead. And Jesus said in verse 25, he said, Behold, I have told you, in advance. Now, Paul, aware of all this, was making the same warning in 2 Thessalonians 7. He said, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. What mystery of lawlessness? The one that <laughs> the church is falling away? The, the church that's asleep in bondage? The church that has now exchanged the grace of God for license to sin? That mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Okay, but before that happens, here's what's going to take place. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. Now there it is. The activity of Satan now is connected at this time we live in 
with all power and signs and false wonders. That's, and they're false because they're done by the spirit of the devil rather than the spirit of God. So what we got today is we got healings that are done by the spirit of the devil. We've got tongues that are spoken by the spirit of the devil. We got supernatural insights and, and revelations given by the spirit of the devil. We got prophecies that are given by the spirit of the devil, which amount to nothing more than fortune telling. And so we got all that going on today in the church under the name of Christ as if it was done by the Holy Spirit. So he goes on to say, and with all the deception, in verse 10, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they may, may believe what is false in order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Remember that Jesus said, it's a wicked and perverted and evil generation that seeks after attesting signs, miraculous signs. He says that's wickedness to seek after those things. We're supposed to seek after God. We're supposed to seek after holiness. We're supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're supposed to, to love God above all else, not after signs and wonders, not after miraculous events, that is, that is the way of wickedness. So, where does that leave us today? Where does that leave us today? You know, in the, in the end times, we have all these false signs and wonders coming. Where are they at? Where are they manifesting at? So, let's just talk about this. Let's just be honest here for a minute. Is the Lutheran church full of signs and wonders and miraculous healings and claims of, of power of the Holy Spirit falling on people? Is that, is that, and, and quote unquote, people being quote unquote slain in the Spirit? And having all these things, all these manifestations, manifestations happening. Is that in the Lutheran church? Now, come on, let's think about it. I don't think so, do you? Well, what about the Baptist church in general? Oh, I know some Baptists have moved into the charismatic, have moved the charismatic movement into the Baptist church. There's one I know not too far from here that was a Southern Baptist and now it's Southern Baptist slash charismatic. I know that happens, but generally speaking, is the Baptist church where the false signs and wonders are manifesting that Jesus promised that would happen in the last days? No, I don't think so. Well, what about the Presbyterians? And what about the Catholics? And, and what about many of the other normal nominal denominations? Is that where you see the signs and wonders manifesting? No, I don't think so. I mean, honestly. So where is it at? Where is the signs and wonders movement that's predominantly going on today? Where is it at? I gotta be honest with you, it's in the charismatic movement. It has taken over the charismatic movement. False signs and wonders have taken over the charismatic movement. So this great deception, this great delusion of today is in signs and wonders and false gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's mixed also in with the prosperity gospel. It's it's all it's all kind of mixed together. It's 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 everything that people get excited about and that they really want to hear. It's a tickling of the ear. It's a providing a, a something for the sensual flesh, for something for excitement. It's something for people to be entertained with, for something for people to get excited about. So this great delusion has taken over the charismatic church, and, is, and it is the most dangerous delusion of today because it diminishes the power of the gospel for salvation and reduces that power into some kind of a physical or spiritual manifestation of some kind of a spirit rather than bringing the hearts of the people to God. And just to give you some proof about that, think about this in American history and in, in, in the history of, uh, of North America, all the way back from the 1700s up until the, till the 1900s. 
we've had numerous revivals. There was the Jonathan Edwards and all the power that he preached under and thousands upon thousands of people came to the Lord under him and then George Whitfield came along, same kind of thing, preached all kinds of powerful messages of revival. People came to the cornfields to hear him. I understood that his voice was so uh, so powerful that people could hear him you know, all across these big fields. He would stand on a, a tree or a platform out in the middle of, 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 the, of the farmland and people would come from miles around and they would repent of their sins and get their hearts right with God. And then there's Charles Finney. And I've read about Charles Finney's life and how Charles Finney would go from town to town in the state of New York and he would, and he would go off to the woods and he would call on God sometimes for two or three or four or five days before he entered into the city wherever he was going to preach. And when he did, when he came to a certain town or city, people started falling on their faces. They started getting their hearts right. He proclaimed repentance and he dealt with sin. He called out people for, for, for living in sin. He called out sin as a terrible thing. He preached against sin and people repented and gave their hearts to God. And there were some cases where even before he got to a town, people heard that he was coming and even the people working in factories couldn't even work because they were under such conviction of their sin because God was so with him and the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit was there and it wasn't in signs and wonders. It was in conviction of sin. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit's really manifested when it causes men to turn to God with all their heart, not to see some kind of a miracle or to get their leg lengthened or their or some kind of physical healing, but it's to, the power of God is to change men from the inside, not the outside, but the inside. And then there's others like Jeremy Lampfeyer, Dwight L. Moody, the Sotera brothers, whom I met years ago. I met them back in the 80s. They're probably dead now. They were really old men when I met them. They preached revivals and repentance all over Canada and some in North America. And this was during like the, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, and even the 80s. And the last I knew, the 80s was about the end of it for them. Those guys have been preaching for 50 years. They were twin brothers, and they were old. And they would really preach and hammer on repentance they were not giving the soft, easy gospel. They weren't telling you that it all was going to be well. They were telling you, basically, if you didn't repent, you're going to hell. And they had thousands and thousands of people across Canada and North America to repent and turn to the Lord. And then there were the Welch revivals. And then there was the Ashbury College revival in 1970 at Ashbury College, which was a Methodist college. And that revival broke out there. You can go on the Internet and see the video of it. Revival broke out there in 1970, and it went all across the land. People... All across America began to repent. And the kids from those colleges went back home and started telling the story of what happened. And people in the churches started repenting. Even pastors got saved. And, and music ministers got saved. And youth ministers got saved. They weren't even saved. And when they heard this message of repentance, they got their hearts right. And none of these revivals, none of them, had any signs and wonders connected with them at all. It was the power of the gospel. That was the power that brought about these revivals. And there was... <laughs> There was literally, over these, over these centuries, over the last two or three centuries in America, and the different revivals that have broke out, there have been millions of people that were saved and who repented their sins at those times and turned to the Lord. And those millions did so without seeing any signs and wonders. See, there's something I want you to remember. I want you to realize, if the Holy Spirit is present, if he's working, if he's really there, men will be convicted of sin. Men will be ashamed of their carnal ways. Men will run to the Lord in brokenness and repentance. 
if he is not there, then men will be drawn to the manifestation of, uh, of whatever they call supernatural events. Men will be drawn to the personality of a preacher. Men will be drawn to an ear-tickling message, but they will not be drawn to the Lord. And they'll be drawn to those things rather than the truth of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. See, what we have today is not the gospel, not the true gospel. You see, this is where we are in America today, and it's getting worse by the hour. We have mysticism now coming into the church, especially the charismatic movement. A lot of mysticism. Uh, we have a lot of supernatural manifestations, but we have them without the holiness of God and without repentance of sin. We have prophecy today that is more about fortune telling and telling people about good things that are going to happen to them in the future, like you can call and get somebody to read cards or get somebody to, uh, 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 to give you a horoscope reading or whatever kind of readings you can get from the, from the worldly fortune tellers. We're getting the same thing in the church now. You know, in the old days, when a man came to a prophet to inquire the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord was strong. The word of the Lord was repent. The word of the Lord was, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. The word of the Lord was, if you don't turn back to God, then you're going to go into captivity, like Israel was told numerous times by the prophets of God. See, now we now our prophets are ear-tickling. They're, they're prophesying, quote-unquote, good things. They're not, not dealing with the hearts of men. They're not dealing with sin in the church anymore. The sin in the church is all over the place, and the prophets are not even talking about it. They're just giving everybody a nice word. And see, that's just plain old fortune-telling. That's just, that's just divination. That's just done by the spirit of the devil. Come on, let's wake up and be honest. It's done by the spirit of the devil. It's not by God. God is not patting everybody on the back and telling them they're doing just fine. God is not just promising health, wealth, and prosperity to everybody who's in sin, the church is in sin. God is not coming to the church and saying, oh, you're going to be just fine. I'm going to send you some more blessings. That's not from the Lord. That's not from the Lord. And then we have some crazy stories like, you know, like Bethel Church in Redding, California, talking about bizarre stuff. You know, I mean, it's not only just them, but there's all kinds of this bizarre supernatural things Tales, they're telling tales about things like feathers falling from the ceiling during their service or gold dust coming out of the air conditioner vents. This is all nutty. This is all bizarre. This is all crazy. And it's not of God. There's nothing in the scripture to support any of this kind of crazy stuff. And many other strange and weird manifestations being talked about. I'm not saying there's not some weird and strange manifestations happening. I'm sure there are. They're all over because the Bible said they would come in the last days through false prophets. He said that they would be false signs and wonders by the power of the devil. Yeah, that's what's going on. We need to wake up, America. Wake up. Where's the power of the gospel to change men? Where's the power of the gospel to bring men to repentance? What's the matter with us? What has happened to us? Have we lost our minds? So what we have now is we have feelings and emotions that have replaced the word of God, have replaced truth. We have sensuality. We have what feels right rather than what is right. We have people relying on their experiences more than what God says. And these experiences are supposed to be from the Holy Spirit. But this funny thing to me that these experiences are lacking the conviction of sin and lacking holiness from the people or any kind of sober-mindedness or any kind of sense of urgency about the condition of the church and the condition of America and where we're all going and what's happening in America and what's happening to the church. All that's lacking. If it was the Holy Spirit, don't you think somebody would wake up to these truths? You see, just because it's supernatural does not mean it's from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always convicts of sin. 
The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. See, there's a lot of worship of the Holy Spirit going on today. A lot of honoring and worshiping of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit only pointed to Jesus. The Holy Spirit didn't take a place over Jesus. He pointed to Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit that you're listening to is one that's all about the Holy Spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the false spirit. And another thing, men today take the scriptures, they take a little piece of a scripture or one verse of scripture out of context and they turn it into a doctrine, they turn it into a false teaching. You know, like for an example, the one about throwing your bread up on the water and in many days it'll return to you and multiply, blah, blah, blah. And men use that to try to get money out of you and tell you, you give them, you know, put a hundred dollars in ministry, they'll give you, a, you'll get back a thousand or whatever. And men use all this kind of stuff for the, from the scriptures to try to get what they want from you. And they use it in many such ways to, to tell lies all the time. It happens all the time. But second Peter, Peter said in chapter one, verse 20, he said, but know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. In other words, it's not your own private interpretation. You can't just say anything you want. It's got to be backed up with other scripture. For no prophecy was ever spoke by act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So false prophets just tell you what the scriptures mean according to their own interpretation and from their own imagination and from their own motives. Like what are they trying to get out of you? What are they trying to do? They're, they're, they use the scriptures to manipulate people and to deceive people. Here's the thing. The Bible will interpret itself. And more than one time, they said, the, you know, it was said, let there be two or three witnesses. In other words, you find a verse over here and it says this. Then you find another verse over there and it says the same thing. And one over here, it says the same thing. You can pretty much figure that's what it's saying. There's two or three witnesses. You know, the Bible is going to kind of be, you know, it's going to be in agreement with itself. It's going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. And so, you know, you know that, you know that God is, is in that if, it, if there's two or three witnesses. So many so-called revelations that are coming forth today are without any regard of the scriptures, what they say. The Bible is now ignored most of the time. In fact, a lot of times it's completely ignored and people just go on what they say God has said. When I hear someone say, the Lord told me and what he's saying doesn't fit with anything in the word, I know it's from the devil. And if you don't know what the word says or you don't go look and see what the word says, you're going to be greatly deceived. You see, Paul made this clear. All scripture in 2 Timothy 3, he said, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that's true, he said, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. In other words, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not true. It's just not true. So, so let me ask you something. What does the prophet or the pastor or the teacher of signs and wonders or the one of the teacher of the prosperity gospel, what do they point you to? If you're listening to them, what are they pointing you towards? Are they, are they pointing you towards an experience? Are they pointing you towards a feeling or, or something that's exciting to watch or exciting to see? Or they, are they, are they raising up your emotions, stirring up your emotions? Or are they, are, are they bringing you into a desire? to uh, see more signs and wonders, like maybe you thought you saw something, you'd like to see something even more like that? Is it kind of like, is that what they're doing and stirring you up to give them your money? Is that what, what's happening? Or are they, are they pointing you towards repentance of sin 
and a desire for holiness and a hunger and thirst for God's word and for righteousness. You see, the truth is that signs and wonders never really turn anybody towards the Lord or towards righteousness. If you don't have the love of the truth, you will, dis- you will receive a deluding influence. Just like I read in 2 Thessalonians earlier. If you don't have the love of the truth, you will receive a deluding influence and you will believe what is false and you will be destroyed in the process. So I want to remind you of a few things. Just because it is or it appears to be supernatural does not mean it's done by the Holy Spirit. Come on. It's, there's a big deception. If anything supernatural happens, everybody thinks it's of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that the power of the devil is working right here in America, in the church today? Don't you know that he's right there to deceive? Don't be fooled. Just because there's a manifestation does not mean it came from God. And also remember that Jesus did more than any book could, any book could record of signs and wonders and miracles and all kinds of things he did. And yet only a few were really saved. So it wasn't about the signs and wonders that saved people, was it? And remember, if you can't confirm something, confirm something by the scriptures, then it's going to be false. You see, even Jesus said, he said, if I bear witness of myself alone, my witness is not true. But Jesus said, but the scriptures bear witness of me. And he also said that John the Baptist bore witness of him. So there's Jesus now. Here's the son of God. Here's Jesus who says, if I'm the only one that says this, if I'm the only one that says I'm the Son of God, then my witness is not true, even though he was the Son of God. He's speaking a principle here. He's teaching us something here. Folks, if your pastor, your prophet, your teacher is telling you something that's not got two or three witnesses in the Scripture to back it up, it's not from God. His witness is false. It is not true. Do you understand that it's not true? You can't believe it. You've got to go back to the basics. You've got to go back to the scriptures. You've got to study the word to show yourself approved as a workman who needs not to be ashamed handling accurately the word of truth. You've got to turn to God. You've got to seek God. This, this is the most terrible times we live in. The most dangerous times of all. This is terrible times. You can't just go on your feelings. You can't just go on what somebody says. You've got to know God and you've got to know the truth. And like Jesus said, if all you have is one witness, it is just not true. So, you cannot trust. You cannot trust in your experiences. You can't trust in your feelings. You can't trust in your emotions. You can only trust in the Word of God. The signs and wonders gospel is a false gospel. The prosperity gospel is a false gospel. And all those that are promoting those two gospels are of the devil. Do you hear me? They are of the devil and they're dangerous and they're causing people to be lost. They're misleading people. Don't be a part of that. Paul warned us about this in Galatians. Paul said, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. In Galatians 1, 8, he says this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a a gospel contrary, contrary to the one that we preach to you, he is to be accursed. As we've said before, so I say again now, if any man preaches you a gospel contrary to what you've received, in in other words, the one you received from God, from the Bible, 
he is to be accursed. So here's what we got today. Almost all of our modern day prophets and pastors and preachers and teachers are cursed because they are preaching a different gospel. It's a false gospel. So my question is this. Please don't take any offense to this. I am very concerned. Are you going to join them in hell? Are you going to just follow them there? Or are you going to wake up and get on your knees and call on God and open up your Bible and start studying the scriptures? Are you going to wake up or are you just going to follow them into hell? What are you going to do? You know, you still have time. It's not too late if you can hear my voice. If you hear the voice of God, if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's not too late to repent. If you're going to have life, you need to run away from these false teachers. And you need to run away from these false doctrines. And you need to run to Jesus and cling to the Lord and hold on to Him and study His Word and believe His Word and obey it and trust in Him or you don't have any hope. Remember, the way to life is on a very narrow path. It's very narrow. And the way to, and the gate that you go through is very small. It's very small. So the way is narrow and the gate is small that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Only a few will be willing to pay the price. Only a few will be willing to seek God with all their heart. Only a few will be willing to give up their sins. Only a few will be willing to give up their false religion. Only a few. I hope you're going to be one of the few. I really do. Next week, I'm going to go further on this subject and talk about false signs and wonders more and false gifts of the Holy Spirit more. I'm going to go further with the great deception of American Christianity without Christ. I hope you join me then. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information, for my blog and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine The Great Deception.